<laughs> if you already know Drake or you already been on Drake's TikTok or his lives or his Sunday Zooms, which will be once a month now. <laughs> Did you know? Now you know. <laughs> you know whose voice this is. It's Shan from She Gets It Pod. So while you're listening to Everything Culture with an A, not a die, check out She Gets It pod all right i know i'm the one with the little boo me on there that's me all right new season new season 22 giving y'all encouragement motivation and a real insight in the things that i think about on a daily but i'm saying them out loud to y'all so check me out on she gets a pod on your favorite podcast app and also find me and the rest of my podcast on shambypodden.com. Now, I hope you're enjoying this show with everything culture. Hey, Drake. I'll let you have your mic back now. Bye. Gal. I just love old folk. I've always thought that they possess supersized saintly souls despite some of their obvious faults, failures, and foibles. As far back as I can recall, I vividly remember sitting at their feet and listening with joyful anticipation and fascination. They seemed to have a knowing that only they knew. It was as though they had inside out and upside down information that could only be known and shared by the few who could demonstrate that they really knew what they really knew. Their words, often spoken in a language akin to riddles, immeasurably expanded my core and captivated my imagination. The truth is they knew it was raw and real. It was gutsy and familiar. It was both practical and profound. And of course, it was powerfully poetic. Most of my life, I've been told that I have old folk ways. Your mannerisms are like those of children raised by old folk. You must have been conceived when your mom was going through the change of life. Girl, you sure do sound just like my grandma. Sister girl, where did you get that old folk soul from? But it goes on to talk about being a part of the village. Having come of age in the poverty-ridden Mississippi Delta during the 60s, I was fortunate enough to have benefit of the safety and security, wit and wisdom of an elder village. This village included my grandmother, my grandfather, my mother, my godmother, my church mothers, my aunts, my uncles, and the community surrogates. Within, within the village, it was quite acceptable for any of them to intervene if they caught me or my siblings engaged in any form of mischief. The intervention could have been as benign as a verbal lashing or as significant as a licking or two. Invariably, a second reckoning was forthcoming once my mother was made aware that one of the surrogates had, quote, gone out of their way to address our misbehavior. Hence, the eagle eyes of the village gazing upon us and all our doings was appreciated as much as a root canal or a pair of shoes an inch and a half too little. One thing the village members had in common was that they were all simple but wise, God-fearing, church-going country folk who love the Lord. They love their pastor, they love their church, they love themselves, and they love their communities and family. The joy of children laughing These are the of you It is true, the making What's going on, good people? This is your host, Mr. D713, 
with everything culture. And we have the pleasure this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whenever you're listening, to have Christina Abbey with us. And, and we're going to get to know her. So, Christina, how are you doing today? I'm wonderful. It's, it's a pleasure to be here with, with you in the audience. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, my pleasure. I know we've been talking about this for a few weeks now. Um, we actually met with the Tacoma Black Collective. Shout out to the Tacoma Black Collective. I mean, y'all know, since I've been here in the Washington, Seattle area, it's been hard for me to find a place that I feel comfortable. And even though this is virtual, it feels like this is another home I have. This is like, it, this reminds me of village it reminds me of community and this is what our community brings us great people like christina so thank y'all and thank you christina for being with us again i have to also give a shout out for the black collective my first exposure um to the black collective was was 21 years old that's been over 40 years get out of here and uh and i just loved it you know uh, it was home for me you know and even if there's a gap in between because i left here almost 20 years and came back. So I say that this is my second tour here, but I I never forgot the love, the warmth and the resource and information that was available and the intelligence and the resiliency and the passion um, that they displayed toward what happens in our community and what does not happen and how we can mitigate right. those risks and intervene accordingly. So shout out to the Lao Kwasim and the uh, Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective. Wow, wow. I didn't once again I started joining we we could talk all day about them and about the cause once again, shout out to y'all, love them. Like that. I think I've been six times and it's been great every time. So thank y'all. So, but we're talking about Christina today, y'all. Okay, that's fine. Let's do it. <laughs> so Christina, the first question we have for you is how would you define yourself? I would define myself as a a woke black woman who is confident in her ability, her skill, and her desire to facilitate and foster environments that is conducive for the growth of all black folk. Mm. That was beautiful. Well, wow. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, what cultures do you represent and what, how would you describe your cultures? You know, I, let me give you a little background. I, I told you that I taught, well, I taught uh, 15 years at a community college in Cleveland, Ohio, Cuyahoga Community College. It's the largest community college system in the state. And one of, sociology, and one of the things that I um, love focusing on was special topic courses. And so, one of the special topic courses, in fact, they're currently using the videos and everything that was created from that class as an introduction to sociology majors. But I had uh, uh, gotten a course that was uh, created by uh, a Jewish couple, professors from the University of California at Chico, and it was called Perspectives in Genocide. And of course, because they were Jewish, they focused exclusively on the Holocaust. So my, in answering your question, when I began to look at that syllabi, I decided that any life and every life is value, valuable. 
So from a culture perspective, while, while I love my black folk, anybody who is hurt and stripped of, of their livelihood, their culture, their ability to get economic wealth, I will advocate for any and all. All life is value, culturally, economically, socially, religiously. Uh, and uh, I, I believe that culturally, I'm a respecter of all cultures. And, I, you know, we can agree to disagree agreeably, but um, I would just say that my culture is mine, but I'm open to being made aware of others. And the only way that you can do that is by having ample conversation. And that's why we're here. That's yes. exactly why we're here. Um, so where are you from? You probably have picked up on my southern drawl because I'm I'm from smack dab in the middle of the Mississippi Delta. They call it the crossroads. It is 75 miles south of Memphis, Clarksdale, Mississippi. And right in the middle of my hometown is the intersection of 49 Highway and 61. Mm. And folk, folklore has it that Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil to learn how to play the guitar right there. Mm -hmm. So, I, I yeah, it's the poorest uh, area in the United States, but it's the most culturally rich, richest area, area that you could ever imagine. They have the Juke Joint Festival every year, uh, and it probably draw 10,000 people there from around the world. In fact, Morgan Freeman has the most renowned club. It's called Ground Zero. It's the best blues club in the United States, right there in my hometown. Called Ground Zero. Uh, but yeah, I'm from Mississippi Delta. Look, look, you about to make me go do some homework now. Every time, <laughs> I got to check this out. All right, all right. Um, this now, and you being from the South, this is a question that I I've added on because the audience have asked. So I have to ask it, and it's against my culture, but would you mind sharing your age with the audience? You don't have to, but this is a question. I'm 61. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Because, you know, we have people come on that may not watch the video, or they, they want to know, like, where the, where did the wisdom come from? Where is it back? So, but that, because that, culture is also your generation where you're from as well. So we look at that, but thank you so much. What is your zodiac sign? I'm a Sagittarius. Okay, Sagittarius. All right. Um, that was the, once again. That's like November, December. November, November twenty okay. third. Yeah, all right, all right. Happy birthday! Well, birthday be here sooner before we know it. Okay. How would you define your childhood and upbringing? Um rich and rewarding um which is which is what my book is all about mm. um and um being a product of intergenerational household you know um i call it the village you know um takes a child to raise it i mean it takes a village to raise a child and so i had and let me just read something to you real quick please you, do you appreciate this please and what's the name of your book? My book is called uh, The Souls of the Old Folk. Souls of the Old Folk. So 
most of my life I've been told that I have old folk ways, even when I was growing up as a child, you know, you've uh -huh. been here before or whatever, but I would sit at their feet. So listen to this. This is a part of the introduction because content without context is pretext. Quote, the one who plants trees knowing that he would never sit in their shade has at least started to understand the meaning of life. That's a quote by uh, Tagore. He was an Indian poet. He was called the Bard of Bengal. I just love old folk. I've always thought that they possess supersized saintly souls despite some of their obvious faults, failures, and foibles. As far back as I can recall, I vividly remember sitting at their feet and listening with joyful anticipation and fascination. They seemed to have a knowing that only they knew. It was as though they had inside out and upside down information that could only be known and shared by the few who could demonstrate that they really knew what they really knew. Their words, often spoken in a language akin to riddles, immeasurably expanded my core and captivated my imagination. The truth is they knew it was raw and real. It was gutsy and familiar. It was both practical and profound. And of course, it was powerfully poetic. Most of my life, I've been told that I have old folk ways. Your mannerism are like those of children raised by old folk. You must have been conceived when your mom was going through the change of life. Girl, you sure do sound just like my grandma. Sister girl, where did you get that old folk soul from? But it goes on to talk about being a part of the village. Having come of age in the poverty-ridden Mississippi Delta during the 60s, I was fortunate enough to have benefit of the safety and security wit and wisdom of an elder village. This village included my grandmother, my grandfather, my mother, my godmother, my church mothers, my aunts, my uncles, and the community surrogates. Within, within the village, it was quite acceptable for any of them to intervene if they caught me or my siblings engaged in any form of mischief. The intervention could have been as benign as a verbal lashing or as significant as a licking or two. Invariably, a second reckoning was forthcoming once my mother was made aware that one of the surrogates had, quote, gone out of their way to address our misbehavior. Hence, the eagle eyes of the village gazing upon us and all our doings was appreciated as much as a root canal or a pair of shoes at each and a half too little. One thing the village members had in common was that they were all simple but wise, God-fearing, church-going country folk who loved the Lord. They loved their pastor, they loved their church, they love themselves and they love their communities and family. I knew you. Was go I knew it was going to be that community and family. Come once again. You, you you haven't listened to this. You haven't listened to everything culture. It's scary how much. Y'all listening? Y'all know how I get down with everything culture. <laughs> you know the makings of you. I try to keep my perspective out of it and try to get the guests. But you see how God works right here. But we're gonna continue. We're gonna continue. Thank you, Christina. Oh my You're welcome. Love You're it, welcome. Love it. So um, this is um it's the souls of the old folk and it's poetic living inside out, upside down. So they are it's, it's a book of poetry that is garnered wisdom and wit from those country old folk down in the Mississippi Delta. And now I realize that I'm transitioning to these old folk now. You know. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening because, and that, what you're doing, what you put in the book, is what I do right here. Okay. It's getting everyone's perspective out. Like I'm gonna send you some because you know 
I mean, I'm going to keep this in for the folks, but I'm just doing this with my family from all ages so we can share. Our, this is a living record that we have with one another. And yes. we're bringing people of all ages, especially my, like, when I started reaching out to other folks and I said, I got to bring my own family on here. When I tell you, Christina, I found some stuff out about my family. I'm like, what? <laughs> Everything didn't make it on air. Let me just tell you. I, <laughs> but th- this is something I absolutely um, value. Uh, as we, I shared prior to us hitting, well, actually to the recording, is I was raised by my village. I was raised by a community. I was. I just can't give props to just my mother and my father. But once again, y'all, y'all got to listen to the makers of Mr. D713. We are here for the makings of Christina Abbey. So let's get back to Christina. So kind of going back where touched on, the next question we have now is what were the roles of your caregivers growing up when you were coming up? What were the roles of the caregiver? Again, being a part of the community, you know, Ms. Banks saw you do something wrong. She had just as much right to chastise you as your parents was. So the caregivers, you know, my, um, my father had a stroke. There were seven of us. Mm. My father had a stroke, and my mother ended up being the uh, being the caregiver for you know the the economic engine for our household. And so, uh, I took on a role even as a little child to help my father and stuff. My father, I love my father. He was he had a this bold laugh and stuff. And he was the great encourager because I used to stutter. And he'd, he'd, he'd encourage me to read. My mother ended up being a domesticate. Uh, and she would go and work for Miss McFadden. And Miss McFadden, you know, they would give them books to out of there. When they got new encyclopedias, We, my mother would bring them home and stuff. So the way in which I could help with my stuttering, my dad would say, come on. Read, 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 you know. So while my siblings were out with their friends, because, you know, kids can be cruel, even family members, you know, they can laugh at you when you stutter. So I spent that time. So the, the role of the caregiver for me was to giving me, giving me a sense of belonging, that mm-hmm. I fit, that I was loved, that even if I didn't get all of the things that I was desirous of, I got all the things that I needed. And I think that's the role that my mother played for us and stuff, you know. I remember, you know, my imagination was so expanded by reading those books. I knew that when, when it was time for me to go, I was going to catch the first thing smoking out of Mississippi because I, my mind had expanded beyond that. And I just thought things, all things were possible if you put the work in. You know, I was originally, uh, because I had a speech impairment, they had designated me as EMR. And I don't know if you know what that is. It's educationally mentally retarded. I wasn't retarded until I got a speech therapist. She started working with me. She said, actually, she's pretty bright. So I ended up getting promoted, double promotion. I started college, you know, when I was 16. Can you hear that? I started college when I was 16. I had my first master's by the time I was 21, you know, so, but I did. I left Mississippi, you know, came out here. That's when I got exposed to the Black Collective. But I think that most people that I've had contact with, because I always 
affiliated myself with older people, they took on the role of caregiver. You know, I was always one that would sit at their feet and listening. And uh, it shaped and framed me into that social worker that I, that consummate social worker that I become, you know, believing in, in, in uh, taking care of other folk. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this right here is, is what, once I'm gonna go to the next question because I am relating so much what you're doing and thank you for what you've done for your family. That that giving back is so important. But we'll come back. And you shared that you have siblings. Where do you fall in the lineage of your siblings? I have one sister uh, younger than I am, so I'm number six. I guess they call them the knee baby. The knee baby. Okay, I've heard of that terminology. Yes, <laughs> no, I, I heard it from my auntie. She shared it, so I think they had a seven with um, between my parents. She has six siblings herself as well. Okay, so well, typically it, the meaning of the knee baby is that this you have another child when the other one is right at your knee. So I'm just two years younger than I mean older than my my youngest sister. The knee baby. Love it. How do you feel about your education so far in life? Um, I'm going to preface by saying this first. I'm a dropout uh, theologian. Because mm. um, I went to seminary. And I think that education isn't... The, the purpose of education in my mind is to expand your intellectual repertoire. It is not to confine and constrict you. And that's what I found, constriction. You can't you can't read this book and you can't read this and you're not supposed to be affiliated with the Methodists and you're Baptist and this. So that division is, it just, it just, um, I, <laughs> I, I question how can you be of an open mind when you're you're denying people access to the information that they need to expand their mind, so because an open mind has a room with a view, mm. you know, and it it allows the the glory of who we are to shine through. And I just I I, I dropped out, but I um I went to a community college in my hometown. I loved it, you know, literal um literal arts and um. I left there. I'm a product of three-time graduate of HBCU, so I take pride in cultures. I went to Oklahoma Community College. I went to Mississippi Valley, which is where Jerry Rice played. Mm -hmm. And I went to graduate school the first time at um, Jackson State mm. University. That's where prime time is right now. You know, yes. just getting all of these accolades and stuff. But I, I love that experience. And then I went to school again at Cleveland in Ohio for second uh, master's. But um, but I love the, the 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 black experience, you know. Uh, and uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I'm I'm actively engaged in uh, um, big brothers, big sisters. So I have three students that I help at at each at the community college level at the. Um, undergraduate and graduate school that uh, I, I support them to get their degree. And they, they're doing very well. And all three of them, um, two of them graduate next year. The other one uh, will graduate year after next. So, but uh, yeah, 
I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with where I am, but it's only because I choose to pick up a book and read it, you know, and it, you know, because um, I'm, I'm a very curious person and I refuse to allow anyone to put shackles on my mind mm. and tell me what I can and I cannot do in terms of expanding my intellectual repertoire. Your freedom. Yes. Yes. Read your mind and your body and your soul will follow. <laughs> it's true. That's oh. true. Oh, absolutely agree. Where do you consider home? Mississippi. I was home last year for about five weeks and I'm going back home five for five weeks this year too. Um, but yeah, that's home. There's nothing more muddier than that Mississippi mud. But it, it, it has such a cleansing capacity for me and my soul. So I, I just love going home. Love that. When did you have your first sense of responsibility? When I had my first sense of responsibility, when I left Mississippi, when I realized that now I'm in a new environment. Uh, and I literally caught the first thing smoking and rode the bus here three days. I was 21. I came out of graduate school and I had been accepted to go and get work on a PhD. So I came to visit a friend of mine whose husband was stationed here. And it was just supposed to be this respite time in between, you know, graduating there. And then in three months, I was going to go and work on a PhD. And so <laughs> I had been here. I got here. When I arrived, I, it was, I was culturally shocked because I, I, Got down to Union Station at the bus station in uh, Seattle, and my girlfriend came and picked me up, and and I was I was so uh, culturally shocked with with the interracial couples, and I was like, oh, they gonna they gonna get killed, they gonna get killed, something gonna happen to them, because I had come from Mississippi, that was not something that, but that it was. She said, be quiet, be quiet, that's okay, it's okay, and I. I was just nervous for everybody else, you know, because I, you know, you, you grow up in a certain environment and stuff. And uh, she took me to the collective. I had been here three days and I was, they would go after, after the collective, they would go to, um, it was a restaurant called Brown's on, on MLK, which used to be called K Street years and those years back. And um, there was this guy named Hezekiah Givens. He was a big, bold guy. You know, so I met Lyle Kwasim and Jim and all of those. I mean, those are familiar faces for me. Those are brothers, big brothers for me. But he had written this proposal. And uh, and he said he, he said he was ready to retire. But it was a proposal. It was right now we would call it trying to uh, negatively or positively affect the um the movement from the school, that pipeline from the school to prison for the kids and stuff. But it was called the Youthful Offender Employment Program. And he had written this and the whole goal was to make sure that our black young boys and stuff and girls wouldn't uh, continue to get locked over, locked up in Raymond Hall. And so we were at breakfast and he was saying, I want to retire. He said, I'm really looking for black person that's got a degree. And so my friend said, she got one. He said, well, I'm really looking for one that got a master's degree. He says, she got one. He said, you got the job. 
Mm. It was a director position, so I had se seven people that reported to me. But you know, uh, and it was wonderful. It was wonderful. That's when I realized that I had responsibility. I had to, you know, uh, uh, I'd rather see a sermon than to hear one any day. I had to roll up my sleeve and take care of the budget and take care of the staff and all of that. That's when I first got my sense of responsibility. And I've been in, in administrative and management positions ever since, since I was 21 years old. Wow. Thank you. Once again, thank you, Christina. Thank y'all for listening. Are y'all hearing this? This is the makings of Christina Abbey. We had the pleasure to hear her experience, her life and her upbringing and her journey so once yeah once again y'all make sure to hit that subscribe hit that like um and share this with a friend a family member but we're about to continue on to our next question and you know it asks how were you disciplined growing up how was i disciplined yes how were you well you know i i think nowadays they would say it was corporal punishment it would be enough for cps to engage and stuff you know uh, my mother was a disciplinarian and stuff, and, and as well as the community, you know, it wasn't just a switch. Sometimes you got hit with a shoe, you got hit with a extension cord or, or whatever, you know, but uh, pretty harsh, you know, but we lived through it. <laughs> we lived through it, you know. I don't, I don't want to say about that. Hey, you're fine. Once again, this is the makings of you. Whatever you feel comfortable sharing, you are okay. Um, and you shared a bit about it um, already. But the next question, and once again, these are the same questions we ask everybody to come on the show. Um, what were and what are your beliefs? Uh, I believe that all human life is valuable. It doesn't matter. White, yellow, pink, orange. I believe that when we serve and see things beyond ourselves, we become bigger people. Uh, I believe that there is a higher power and my higher power, his name is Jesus and God, that intervenes and has begun my life and written the story of my life from the beginning, uh, wrote the ending at the beginning and uh, I believe that love conquers hate. I believe that fear is our greatest enemy to achieving. And I believe that change is going to come. Love all that. Thank you so much, Christina. So, Going to our next question. Who has been the biggest influence in your life? My my uh, mentor, her name is Dr. Dorothy Vick Smith. She was my African-American history instructor when I was in graduate school at Jackson State. And she and I have maintained, actually, she kind of adopted me into her family and stuff. So I go to her daughter wedding or whatever, you know go and see her every time I go home. Um, but she taught me about me, you know, and um, she was very instrumental in shaping and framing my thought process and building me into the woman that I've become. 
And can you say her name one more time for us? Dr. Dorothy Vic Smith. Thank you, Dr. Dorothy Vic Smith. Appreciate that. Oh, man. Could you recommend a book, a movie, and a television series for us? I don't do much television. What, but I can tell you, a movie, The Im- Imitation of Life. Oh, yes. I, that is my favorite move of all time. And it doesn't, I don't know if I just want my soul watched and I need a good crime. Mm-hmm. No matter how many times I watch it, I, I cry. Mm-hmm. That, but that movie, it's just such a moving, uh, culturally is moving. Yes, yes. You know, I, I just love that movie. You said a movie, a book. Yes. Uh, let me see which book would I. I have so many books in my library. Um, better throw your book. Lying on self be true. Lying on self be true. Mm-hmm. So let's hop to our next question. So, what has been an impactful moment in your life? Um, going to um, Jerusalem and I was blessed and fortunate enough to get baptized in the Jordan River and and this particular morning was as though I was awakened from my sleep and I got up out of my bed and I didn't hear an audible voice but it felt like I was being told to go out on the balcony and I went out on the balcony. It's probably like 4.30 in the morning and the sun is rising on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and the glistening of that sun on that 24 karat gold on that dome. It's just, it impacted me so much and birthed out of that. This poem just came. It's called uh, Unraveling the Riddle. And it's probably one of the most profound and most beautiful poems Within that five minutes, you know, I was like, God, just to see. And, you know, I think about the beauty of a rainbow. And I was just saying 15 times more beautiful than a rainbow. It's what I saw with with the sun glistening off of Temple Mount. So that was the most impactful experience that I'd had. And that is beautiful. Wow. If you had a theme song, what would it be? It would be, uh, ain't no stopping me now. <laughs> there ain't no Y'all stopping me now. <laughs> yep. All right, you all know, right. I, I, I indicated to you that uh, right now I would deflect. I love old folk, but now I realize that I have transformed into those old folk. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said that... Uh, uh, since I'm a poet, I love Maya, and in one of her, you know, moments, you know, I stated that uh, my quote is, "Lord, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now." Unquote. And so, ain't nothing stopping me now. You know, I reconcile whatever, and just taking it day by day, and enjoying the moment and the journey. Oh. I'm telling you now, you're gonna make a lot of people smile with this right here. Like you just don't know the work you're doing. Um, I had I was having this, I talked to my aunties at least twice, two, two, three times a week, you know. You know, the world, if I could talk to them every day, I would. 
And I was talking to one a few months ago, right during the holiday season. And, you know, she, she was sharing her emotions with me, how she, we don't, she don't have her elders like she used to. We don't have, a, she like, we don't have them like we used to, you know, she like, she just miss our, um, her aunts and her uncles and her, you know, her elders so much in life, you know, and, and she said, we just, I don't know where they're at. I'm like, well, I'm talking to one right now. I'm like, do you know you're that now? Like, I remember how, and I say it's the good, the bad. I say I remember how y'all used to tease, um, you know, my aunt Pinky back in the day, how she did. I didn't want her driving at night and things. And I'm like, well, you know, now people teasing y'all, and I was like, because you're you're coming into that season, you know, and remember how they treated you, the good and the bad, and remember how you want to treat these young ones too, because they are you, what you used to be. And I say every time I have these conversations with them, and I ask them where they come from, they'll bring it. I see it's that cycle of life happening all over again. And some people, you you can take it as a, I take it as a beautiful thing that, but we have to start communicating with one another. That's my biggest thing, but I, I'm enjoying all of this. I hope y'all are enjoying this, um, listening to the makings of Christina Abbey. You know how we do, we have to go into our next question. One of my favorite ones is, how would you define joy? think about that I I would I would define joy as uh, laughter a bubble a bubbling laughter in the soul joy is to me is when the soul knows you know uh, even in spite of circumstances when the soul knows that those circumstances has no power over them, then that's when joy becomes unspeakable. You can't tell him, you can't say why, you can't define it, but you know, this joy I got, the world didn't give it to me. Something from the inside out, it bubbles up like a spring inside of you. You know, there's a scripture that says, he that believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. That's what joy is to me. You can feel it bubbling inside of you like this spring. And it puts a, put a pep in your step. And, uh, uh, and it puts uh, um, a good feeling in who you, who, who you really are. Ain't nothing like joy. And it's, it's not based on circumstances. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I tell people I ain't no right or wrong responses to this, but I absolutely, absolutely love that response right there. Oh, my goodness. Um, what privileges do you benefit from? Oh, I stand on the shoulders of all those who have come before me. Mm. I um, have to share this with you because it's a part of the book, too. And... Uh, on the cover, you'll see this big oak tree. I wanted a very simple, and there's a bench there. And, it's, and I went- Lift it up for us, thank you. Yeah, so I went to um, Wapato Park and they have the bench and the, the tree. So when I had my graphic design, I said, I just want something basic, a tree with a bench. And I was so inspired by sitting under there and re just reflecting 
And so this is a portion of the intro too. It says, now as I sit planted underneath the shade of a 200 year old oak tree, the echoes of my ancestral roots reverberate ever so loudly. The palatable energy of their collective presence rests heavily upon my heart, mind, body, and soul. Figuratively and literally, the embers of their once burning spiritual torch have ignited an inextinguishable internal flame that consumes the entirety of my being. Wrapped in the luminosity of their warmth, wisdom, light, and love, my consciousness overflows with a peace that far exceeds my understanding, a pride and privilege that enraptures and envelops, and a gratefulness and joy fulfilled that are both indescribable and unspeakable. Selah. God of my ancestors, while basking and abiding in this mellowed, memorable, and measured state of mind, I find it almost impossible to adequately express the width, the width and the depth of my love for you and the souls of the old folk. So as I borrow and fully embrace the testimonial truth articulated by the late great and beloved poet, Dr. Maya Angelou, quote, Lord, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. So in response to your question and stuff, I recognize that I'm standing on their shoulders. And whatever inspired them, that torch is ignited inside of me. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, um, the, I, I was go. I'm going to wait to the end. We're going to ask you to get at the end. But when is this book available? When is it being released? It has been released. Oh. It's now available on Amazon and uh, ebook. And uh, if you're in the Tacoma area, I'm having my formal book launching, book signing on uh, Saturday, April the 23rd at the Caballeros Club. And uh, I'll have books available. And I also, because some of the poems are in dialect, you have to hear it. Uh, I have uh, also CDs available. So you can buy the book and the CD. But yeah, they're now available on Amazon, soft cover. I think in the next week the hardcover will be on for sale in uh, ebook, but you can only get the CD from me right now. <laughs> we we go talk. We go work some things out for you very soon. So okay, love it, love it. This but is you have fun. to hear the dialect. You know the poem. The book is entitled "The Souls of the Old Folk," and uh, I really would like you to hear one of the poems. Uh, the, no. the actual poem. Uh, title poem from the book because you'll pick up on the dialect and you'll pick up on the uh, southern drawl and on and on and certainly you'll see the old folk that is, uh, have been birthed out of my soul. <laughs> we're going to have to get you on Audible. But we're going to talk business after this. We're going to talk about <laughs> okay. that in a minute. All right. That's what I'm right. saying. Let's like, do this. Before you even said that, I'm like, is this on Audible? We're going to work some things out. You know, I do that on the side too. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, and, I, you know, and I support my people. Okay. When did you realize you were different? Um, I probably, I probably realized that when I was a child, you know, um, and especially when you, when you stutter a little bit, you kind of isolated. Um, but isolation now, 
as I've gone on my spiritual journey. Oftentimes, isolation is really an opportunity uh, for elevation. Mm. Because had had I been doing and felt the same way that everyone else felt, I probably wouldn't have not, not been a writer mm. because I wouldn't have been reading all of that time and stuff because I was lonely or whatever. I pick up a book and a book, you know, uh, and I, 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 I began to have a love for words and, you know, uh, and being able to put them on paper and stuff, you know. So, yeah, I, I think I realized that when I was a child. I was kind of different, you know. Yes. <laughs> Thank you again. Everyone, we're listening to the makings of Christina Abbey with Everything Culture. And we're going to our next question is, how do you and your family recognize death? And to be more specific is the rituals. What do you and your family do? Well, you know, we have regular have funerals. Um, you know, it's been difficult. During this pandemic, it's been a very difficult period for me. Uh, I've had my niece die. She was 30, 34. She died from COVID. But around in my circles and stuff and distant cousins and others, there's been 10 people in my circle that I know that have died from COVID. And unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we weren't able to travel and go to funerals or whatever. But the, the normal ritual, you know, um, the wake services and, you know, the go to the funeral and you know uh fortunately we have family reunions and prior to us started having our family reunions maybe 10 years ago uh we have them every two years um the only time that we really saw people was at funerals mm -hmm. you know uh, and so we've changed that trajectory and really tried to in fact uh inside of my book is my family and stuff i got the tree for the younger ones this is your roots you know these are your folk and stuff so um but yeah we have the regular ritual um with the belief that we'll meet again because all of us um we we're we very uh we're very articulate about our beliefs when it comes to uh the resurrection and, and our uh, uh, being able to have access to the mansion that is being provided for us and that we'll see one another again. So, Thank you, thank you, thank you. And again, this is a little bit of a newer question, um, okay. a fresher question. And I appreciate you for sharing. And once again, no, no need to go back and fix it, but I ask this question is because when we say regular, I'm like, this. The, our audience spans across all cultures. Okay. And uh, one of my nieces, she expressed that, you know, Black people, you know, she like, we really don't have culture because like we don't bury our people a certain way, which compared to like people. And I was like, what? I, I didn't say anything at the time <laughs> because it was the makings of her. But that's how she felt. And I had to talk to her later. I'm like... Do you know the ritual that we go through? And the, I mean, as many funerals we've had in our family. And she was like, I never thought of it. Like, we have to recognize we are set apart. We're different. You know, and every family may do something a little bit different than theirs, too. But as for what we have, we do have a culture as well. So, once again, thank you, Christina, for sharing. So, and, you know, 
and once again, learning from one another is so important. Um, my next question is, if you could have, if money wasn't an issue, if you wealth beyond wealth beyond all means, but you have to do one thing in this world, what would you do? I would strive toward peace, but you know, but for me, um, peace of mind is, is, is more valuable to me than a piece of money. Mm. I, I just, money is good in its place. And of course, everybody could use some money. However, uh, my motto is that I make money. I money doesn't make me. And so if we get it twisted and that's what we constantly striving but if money could solve all of the problems we wouldn't have people are the richest and seeming to have the most jumping out of windows committing suicide and because they're very disappointed all that glitters ain't really gold and all kinds of substance won't satisfy the soul mm. there's a whole emptiness in your soul and stuff it doesn't matter how much money you have mm. okay who, who, who was that rapper big Biggie Smalls, more money, more problems. Mm -hmm. But you know, I would, I would use it toward peace. Mm. In, 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 it is, it is whole dynamics and stuff. You know, no more study. No, I wouldn't study war no more. You know, mm. so. so loud and clear, listening yeah. to you. We not hearing you, listening to you. Let's say that. <laughs> okay. When was the last time you cried? Two days ago. Two days ago. And oftentimes the tears that I now cry, they aren't tears of sorrow, they're tears of joy. Mm. I was just so overwhelmed with the revelation of the goodness that, that God has given me, you know, has done for me and provided me and stuff you know and it just brought me to tears you know i think about my upbringing in the most poverty ridden area in the united states and stuff you know and and uh wearing hand-me-downs and those type of things and stuff you know but and i say you know there's nothing that i don't want that i that i want that i couldn't go and get and it just brought me to tears i'm grateful and of course there are lots of folks that got more than me or whatever, or what have you, but I, I, I just, I'm just overwhelmed, you know, um, with uh, the goodness of God. Amen. I, I was telling my wife that, you know, occasionally we sit around and we sit around for an hour sometimes thinking, what do we want to eat? All these options that I had. You know, it, it touched me. I was like, man, I remember days when I used to feel like, man, we ain't got nothing to eat. <laughs> you know, just to get something would have been happening. Now it's to the point that I don't even know. I have so many options and the privilege of doing so. It's a blessing. So I it have is. to understand with that. And, I, and, you gotta, and recognizing that is joy. And yes. thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, man. I am enjoying this, but I would say this again. So go to our next question. If you had the option of going back in time and talking to your younger self or having your elder self coming back and coming to you now and talking to you now, which one would you choose, if any? I would probably want my elder self to come back and talk to the youth. And 
I probably would say, uh, I would probably express to my younger self the value of time, you know, uh, and it's very limited, you know, because uh, I'm now on the last quarter of my life. And I think about the 75% is gone. I would, I would have done more with, with, with my time. I wouldn't have wasted so much time. You know, uh, procrastination was, was a result of fear, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I'd, uh, allay some of those youthful fears and, and just say, just do it. Thank you. That's something I would say I needed to hear. So I appreciate that. If anything, I needed to hear that. But thank you, thank you, thank you. So going to our next question. Once again, everyone, this is the makings of Christina Abbey with Everything Culture. And we're she's talking about that. We're 75% through the makings of her. So we got maybe like six more questions and we will be rolling out with y'all. So our next question: how do you relax? I read. I like going for a walk in the park. Especially up here. It is so pretty. It's beautiful. beautiful. People think it's rain out of time. When you get the weather good, oh my goodness, it's gorgeous up here. I love the waterfront. You know, any any big body of water, it has such a common effect. And that's when I do some of my best writing, just gazing at the water. I love jazz. And I love live music. So one of my treats monthly is going to Jazz Alley in Seattle. Um, I guess my next in event that's coming up is Norman Brown. But I just went to see Jonathan Butler uh, recently. I love the blues. You know, so reading, jazz, blues, walking in the park, being near some water. Um, even around where I'm at, I walk to Lake Washington at least three to four times a week and just sit there. It's beautiful. Uh, Absolutely beautiful. I usually call it my reset. So, um, yes. You've mentioned it. So, this is my favorite question. This has been, if y'all know what we're about to step into, this has been my question since season one. Going into season four, I'm sticking with this one, is... Your last meal. I know you know, we don't have to think of the the grimness of it, but I'm trying to think of the most passionate meal, the most your favorite meal. What would that meal be, and who would prepare it for you? Ooh, it would be some Alaskan king crab legs. <laughs> All right. Uh, with garlic butter. Uh have some rice pilaf and some steamed broccoli. Mm. And I'd have a neat drink of Johnny Walker blue scotch. That's what my meal would be. And I would, my preference would be let me prepare it myself. Okay. Okay. Scared of you. Is it like you just described a meal that, once again, my thought process. 
like being from the city you from how many people in your city may have had that I, I i walked by i was at pike's place yesterday and i walked past some um, king crab legs and i like ooh, this ain't more than the steaks and briskets i could I like, <laughs> just for one but I, i've had ugh, i've had it once and i like it, it it's absolutely worth it let me say that oh yeah okay trust me that's one thing when people ask me about the food up here i said you're not beating the seafood up here that's something different okay so what is your favorite holiday christmas christmas do you have a specific christmas that like you like this was my favorite christmas my favorite year I think that it was, I'm trying to get the year right. I think it was like 2001, my nephew sent me a book and it was, uh, it was a book that I really wanted and I hadn't had a conversation with him about it, but he knew I read, read a lot and uh, he got me that book for Christmas and that was the most wonderful Christmas for me. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to look around to see where I found my book. <laughs> um, it's called Love Back to Life. Love Back to Life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Thank you, nephew. Thank, thank you. All right. Got a few more, a few more coming to the okay. closing. What changes are you bringing to your culture? think that pride, you know, uh, and I, uh, I, I, would, I would always post something on the Black Collective you know, Facebook page. And, you know, at the beginning of uh, February, you know, we go into Black History Month. I say, you know, I'm um, Black all year round, but this month I'm going to be Black at a Black month. And what I would do, the postings were to go back in our history and post the things that we've done, you know, uh, from, from Satchmo to uh, Langston Hughes to Maya, you know, just shine a light on who we are and the resiliency in spite of it. Still we rise, we rise, we rise, you know. And so that's what I would, I want people to take pride and never ever allow someone else to define who they are. You mm. define who you are. Mm. And that's why we do the makings of you. Nobody else can tell you about yourself other than you. That's why I ain't asking nobody else, Christina. I'm asking you. These questions are just for you. Okay. And this is actually the last question. And that is, how do you want people to remember you? Uh, I want people to remember um, well, this is my legacy. I want people to remember me through my writing. Uh, and I want people to know that there is always hope. Uh, change your thinking. You can change your life one number two i want people to know that i decided how i was going to define my life nobody else 
can do that for me. Uh, I want people to know that love is key. And when there is justice anywhere, that injustice anywhere, there's no peace nowhere. So, um, I want people to know that I learned and I loved. I guess that's a, in a nutshell. I learned from uh, the old folks' souls. And I love what they poured into me that I could share with others. And we, we appreciate it. Uh, and genuinely appreciate it. And I got to say this for, you know, we're going to say our goodbyes and the outros and things, but this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, Christina, uh, for you sharing your experience in life, your wisdom, your your thoughts, your mindset, and your journey that you're continuing. You know, we I'm wishing you many, many more because I, I say this all the time. I've come across people in life and I appreciate our connections and our relatability um understand we're needed so i'm so I, and i said with us having this conversation you i'm me offering up being the podcast and you showing interest and i was like i'm not going to let this go if we miss one weekend i'm like i'm gonna keep chasing we're gonna chase each other down because i also believe this is absolute worth it and i want to say thank you again i'd love to this is a short poem and i'd love to share this poem with you Food oh. for thought. this is a poem that was birthed out of my spirit while looking at that beauty of the glistening sun on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. It's called Unraveling the Riddle. You can appear shallow and be oh so deep. You can possess nothing and still have a heap. You can be by yourself and not be alone. You can reach adulthood and not be grown. You can be in and still be out. You can be all powerful and have no clout. You can be torn apart and yet be sealed. You can be tossed to and fro and be standing still. You can be sane, but out of your mind. You can have 2020 and be totally blind. You can be old and still be young. You can speak the truth and not use your tongue. You can be in a puddle and still be clean. You can be ready right and yet be green. You can sway far left or far right and still be in the middle. But if you ain't got the concept, you won't get the riddle. I will put the applause behind this one that I clip. <laughs> and I think this is, once again, I, something I struggle with is cursing. Okay, say <laughs> right. And I done made this whole episode, but right there, y'all was got because I that that's how I show passion. Unfortunately, this is like wow. Let's always keep it that. That is beautiful, and that I was thinking throughout when I'm going to be editing this in a moment. I'm gonna keep this in because I'm like she didn't hit us with so many gems throughout this conversation. What I'm gonna go put as the the intro? What I'm gonna put as the when people need that's gonna catch their ear and. You just added another one right there. And Good. T- tell us, where can we find this book again? Can you put it out for us one more time before we head out? It's currently on Amazon, 
ebook, um, paperback, and probably in the next week it will be a hardback cover. And the name one one more time. The souls of the old folk, poetic living, inside out, upside down. Mm, souls of the old folks, poetic living, inside and upside out. down. Inside out, upside down. Inside out, upside down. Yes, love it, love it, love it. We. We go support this, y'all. Y'all know how we do it with everything culture. We support businesses, especially our black-owned businesses, and we make sure we want to share it with everyone as well because we have so much talent that we have to continue to share and experience to show the world. So, Christina, if you are trying to be found, where can the people find you online? How can people communicate with you? Um, I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'm working on a web page, but it's, it's www.christinaabbypoet.com. So it's not finished yet, but I'm working on it. But that's 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 going to be my tagline there. www.christina all in one abbypoet.com. Okay, and I and I I line it up right here for you. You you will go take care of you. Um, and once again, thank you, Christina, for being with us with everything culture, with the makings of you. Um, y'all, you know, I'm your host that love y'all so much that I appreciate y'all tuning in with us at least once a week. But we have another one. We have upcoming shows coming up soon. Season four will be with us in a few moments. But y'all know y'all can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible. Just found out that we're on uh, iHeartRadio as well. And of course, if you're trying to see us as well, you can follow us on and subscribe to us on YouTube. But we greatly appreciate everyone's support. Um, if you have any questions, suggestions, you can find us at everythingculture.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, just hit that contact link and fill out your information and we'll take it from there. But we appreciate everyone for listening once again. Share this with a loved one. I'm going to say thank you all and God bless. Peace good people it's your host drake the mr d713 with everything culture just letting you know thank you thank you for listening to another episode of the makings of you we greatly appreciate your support we look forward to more support in season four make sure you check out www.everythingculture.com for our new merchandise as well as check out all of our social media sites from tumblr twitter Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and IG. We're all over. We greatly appreciate your support, and we we'll look forward to seeing y'all in the next episode. Peace.